I'm saying this on tape. She hit me last night for no reason. Her and Firefox's movie bomb. I mean, it, it, it does beg the question, what has gone wrong with young Hollywood? Honest to God, what is the problem? Juicy sweatsuits, doing lines in the restroom. All y'all dressed to impress who? 20 something trust issues, girl. Hello, and welcome back for another episode of Lay Do You Remember This, where we look back on all the stories from Hollywood's best, worst decade, the early 2000s. A time in history when America found out that with a trust fund, a sex tape, and a dream, you, too, could become a star. As always, I'm your host, Dara Lane. Before we get started, there's a little announcement I have to make. They Do You Remember This is now a musical. I've been working on it with my friends Gabby Conti and Jacqueline Marfuji for a few months now, and we'll be putting it up at the Hollywood Fringe Festival in June. Well, we want to, but it costs a lot of money that I do not have. So what's the pitch? Lay Do You Remember This The Musical is a jukebox musical and fan fiction account of one iconic evening in November 2006. You know what I'm talking about. When Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, and Paris Hilton go out for a night of partying. Lay Do The Musical imagines what could have happened that night. The musical begins with Paris, Lindsay, and Britney heading to the famed club Lay Do when they discover that their Bentley can travel through time. After looking into the future and seeing where their careers are, they decide to go back into the past and fix their mistakes to save their reputations. Prez Hilton narrates this romp where you can expect juicy couture tracksuits, Uggs, and wigs, 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 honey. Plus cabaret-style twists on early aughts pop hits by Rihanna, Hilary Duff, Ashley Simpson, and of course, Brittany, Lindsay, and Paris. And here's the part where I ask you for money. Putting up a musical is pricey. We have to pay for the theater, insurance, a pianist, costumes, props, and wigs, 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 honey. So me and my producing partners are trying to raise $3,000 on GoFundMe. If you like this podcast and want to support my passion project, I implore you to donate whatever amount you can. And if you can't donate, a share on Facebook or Twitter would be a huge help. The link is gofundme.com slash laydothemusical. Not to be confused with Les Mis the Musical, though both have completely equal artistic merits. I'll also post the link on the Lay Do Instagram profile. At the moment, the GoFundMe is doing very poorly. It seems as though most people are interested in donating their money to causes apparently more worthy than a Paris Hilton musical. So I really mean it when I say that even donating $5 makes a difference. Thank you so much for not fast-forwarding through me begging you for money, and thank you even more for possibly considering donating. Now on with the show! This week, we'll be dipping our toe into a subject that has yet to be discussed in depth on this podcast. A subject that listeners of this show have probably waited for with bated breath. Yes, you know whom I'm talking about. A little girl from Kentwood who had big dreams. Brittany Jean Spears. Thank you. 
Brittany hasn't gotten her own episode yet because there's not a lot there to poke fun of with a clean conscience. She's an icon, a queen, a talent for the ages, and the difficult times she's gone through are hard to make light of. Someday we'll get to all of it, but today we're just going to wade into the water and get used to the temperature before we go nipples deep. Which brings us to today's tale. Like, do you remember the relationship of Brittany and Justin? Alternative title is Justin a fuckboy in investigation. Short answer, yes. Remember what he did to Brittany? Long answer, yes. Remember what he did to Brittany and Janet Jackson? Longer answer, remember what he did to Brittany and Janet? And while we're here, Jimmy Fallon is a fuckboy too. Addendum, I'd delete this and fawn over Jimmy Fallon if I ever got to be on his show because I have no scruples. Anyway, to the juicy bits. Our story begins in the sweatshops of Orlando, Florida, where small children were torn from their schools to dance and sing all day in the swampy heat under the stern eye of foreman Mickey Mouse. It was 1994 when 11-year-old Britney Jean Spears first laid eyes upon 12-year-old Justin Randall Timberlake on set of the Mickey Mouse Club. In a GQ interview in 2006, Justin said that he was in love with Britney from the start. Quickly, a mutual crush between the two of them blossomed. They had so much in common. Both were down-home Christian Southern kids, Brittany from Kentwood, Louisiana, and Justin from Memphis, Tennessee. They both loved to sing and dance. What's more, their moms were both named Lynn, one with two N's and one with two N's and an E, but that certainly wasn't a disparity they couldn't overcome. During this time, Brittany and Justin had their first kiss, as she tells Oprah in 2002. He was my first kiss. And how that happened? Yes. Um, we were playing, oh my goodness, <laughs> we were playing Truth or Dare. Uh-huh. And we were listening, oh, oh my gosh, we, and we were listening to Janet Jackson. Okay, and you were how old? Ooh, I think 12. 12, yeah, okay. Yeah. And his friend um, dared him to kiss me, so that was my first kiss. First kiss? Yeah. And so at 12, though, you, you know. How adorable that Justin had his first kiss to the music made by a woman whose career he would later help ruin without any remorse. Isn't it a small world after all? But in 1994, production on the show ended, and Justin and Brittany were pulled apart. Justin stayed in Orlando and joined NSYNC in 1995. NSYNC was managed by Lou Pearlman, who was also managing a girl group with Justin's mom named Innocence. Lynn asked Brittany to join the group, but she decided to keep trying to get a solo record deal. By 1997, Brittany signed with Jive Records. InSync had released their first single, I Want You Back, in Germany in late 1996, and then finally broke into the American market with the single in 1998. Their self-titled first album debuted at 82 on Billboard. Meanwhile, Britney was in Sweden recording her album, Baby One More Time. In the latter half of 98, InSync went on tour and eventually brought on Britney as their opening act, where she and Justin would reunite. Brittany said, He was doing a promotional tour for NSYNC at a radio show, and he came backstage and I was there. He knocked on my door, and then we saw each other, and ever since then we've been going out. 
Brittany and Justin kept their relationship a secret for about a year, and during that time, Brittany released Baby One More Time and headlined her own tour, while NSYNC released the single Bye 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 and the No Strings Attached album in early 2000. In the September 2000 issue of Elle magazine, Britney admits to their relationship, and they were finally free to waltz about in their matching denim formal wear, just like their Southern Baptist God intended for them and all his little children on earth. And now you're right outside, yeah. Justin and Britney fell hard and fast for each other. Despite this, they stayed committed to the purity promise they made to Jesus Christ, their parents, and YM Magazine that they would stay virgins until marriage. But of course, we know that didn't pan out. Brittany said to W Magazine in 2003 that they did have sex. I've only slept with one person my whole life. I was two years into my relationship with Justin, and I thought he was the one. But I was wrong. I didn't think he was gonna go on Barbara Walters and sell me out. In 2008, it was reported that Britney's mom wrote in her memoir that Britney actually had sex at 14 with an 18-year-old football player at her encouragement. These reports came out a week before her book, Through the Storm, was released. Then everyone just agreed it was true because no one wrote about it after the book came out. Apparently, the New York Times was swamped that week and couldn't get around to a thorough review of the book. But I have it. And I have read 30 pages and skimmed the rest. No mention of the statutory rape of a 14-year-old post-mouse club Britney. Plus, the book was released by a Christian publisher. They never had any intention of this being a tell-all. The book is bland and leans heavy on God's will when it comes to public breakdowns and losing custody of your children and such. Anyway, Britney and Justin had a whirlwind, almost three-ish year relationship. Justin was big about grand gestures. Like on her 19th birthday, Justin sent 26 dozen roses to her Palm Springs hotel room and then had the petals of 10 dozen roses scattered around the room, which I suppose is what 20-year-olds consider romantic. What the hell are you supposed to do with the petals of 10 dozen roses? How long must you leave them in the room, grinding them into the floor before you decide you've pretended to enjoy them enough and call housekeeping to come vacuum them up? Over their time as a couple, Brittany and Justin didn't see too much of each other as you can imagine. At this point, they're both two of the biggest pop stars in the world, and they're constantly touring. Despite the lack of FaceTime, Brittany and Justin go ahead and buy a house together in February 2001. Lynn Spears was none too pleased about it, saying in her 2008 book that, I didn't like it one bit. Later on that the two of them were going to buy a house and live together at the age of 19. But at that point, I could have talked until I was blue in the face about morals and values, and for heaven's sakes, good common sense. Lynn also seems to blame Justin for Brittany losing touch with Christianity because Brittany and Justin would often talk about the meaning of life. Lynn says, One day she came to talk to me. Mama, I just don't know if there really is a right and a wrong anymore. She said thoughtfully to me, I mean, is anything really wrong? Looking back, that's about the time Brittany started questioning her Christian faith. 
I can't decide if the idea of Justin and Brittany having heartfelt discussions on life and the merits of moral nihilism is both impressive and sweet, or if this just sounds like Justin trying to get into Brittany's hip huggers. Either way, they must have decided that having sex before marriage is neither intrinsically right or intrinsically wrong. It's just intrinsically sensual. After closing on their house, Britney started filming Crossroads in March 2001. The film's director, Tamara Davis, explained to the website broadly that she used to get Britney to doodle in a notebook to show that her character, Lucy, was a deeply creative soul. When Tamara looked inside the prop book Britney was using, she discovered something. Quote, All she was writing was Britney and Justin, all of these curly cues. It was like looking at a teenage girl's musings, hearts and butterflies in Justin's name. She goes on, It was just the most beautiful relationship seeing the two of them together and how lovey they were. They were just so close and she was such a supporter of his. He worked just as hard as her. It was like she would be doing rehearsals and he would be doing rehearsals. They really knew that life together. But not everything was so smooth between them. In her book, Lynn said they were too similar and strong-willed, which caused them to bump heads a lot. Both Brittany and Justin had a jealous streak. Brittany told Cosmopolitan in an interview that she was devastated when she saw Justin kiss another woman in a music video. Justin was equally upset when Brittany had to kiss her co-star in Crossroads. Eventually, the distrust got the better of the two of them. In the Britney biopic on Lifetime, and in the tabloids at the time, it was alleged that Britney was cheating on Justin with Wade Robson, a mutual friend and collaborator of both of them. Wade was Britney's choreographer, and he also produced songs with Justin. Justin had his suspicions about the two of them, and then he found some sort of piece of paper with something on it that he felt gave him enough proof that an affair was going on behind his back. Both sides won't really admit to any specifics. As Brittany says in her interview with Diane Sawyer. And yet he's, he's left the impression that, that you weren't faithful, that you betrayed the relationship. I think everyone has a side to their story. And um, to make them feel a certain way, make them feel, you know, and... I'm not technically saying he's wrong, but I'm not technically saying he's right either. So, oh, this feels really awkward right now. In March 2002, rumors began to float in the tabloids that the two had broken up. One reason being that Britney was apparently spotted around town crying, once with Tara Reid at Le Du Cafe, which would close soon after and become Le Du the nightclub. During the spring and summer of 2002, the pair were off and on. Britney said to People Magazine that, First Justin broke up with me, and then I broke up with him. Why? The two of us were always on the same page, she says, denying that either side cheated. If he was starting a tour, so was I, but now we were doing different things. Both parties were devastated over the loss of their first loves, but not so devastated that they had a dance battle in the middle of a club like they purported in the Britney Bible. There was one Life and Style report that a dance battle was started over Britney seeing Justin with Jenna Dewan, now Jenna Dewan Tatum. But when the biopic came out, Lance Bass said that it never happened. Sorry. 
After the breakup, both parties were expected to answer questions about it in interviews. Justin, everybody has asked you what went wrong. As much as you can without my asking a dozen questions, because maybe you can just say it once and for all and then the rest of us will never ask another question. I don't think that'll be the case, but... Okay. You know, just um, as Brittany and Justin were in the midst of breaking up, Justin was embarking on a solo career. As one of the most, if not the most popular member in the group in sync, you would imagine that he had no trouble transitioning out. But his first single, Like I Love You, only peaked at number 11. That's not good for someone who was in the most popular boy band in the world. Britney from 2000 to 2002 was a bigger star than Justin, and breaking out of her and NSYNC's shadow wasn't easy. Then Justin's PR machine came up with a strategy. Villainize Britney. Us Weekly started putting out alternating cover stories. One week it would describe how Britney was a vindictive, cheating monster, always trying to get even with Justin. The next week, a cover would come out about how Justin is sexier than ever and that his new album Justified was hot, hot, hot. Justin starts leaning into this narrative in interviews. He was on Barbara Walters singing a song called Horrible Woman. That's for sure. So you had your chance to be my lover. Although Justin says that all the lyrics on his new CD come from his own experience, he denies that any were written specifically for Britney. Yet when we sat down at the piano and asked him to play something from Justified, he chose instead to play a song that nobody has ever heard before. Interesting lyrics. Thought I love so strong I guess I was dead wrong to look at it positively hey girl at least you gave me another song about a horrible woman the breakup with britney then a single cry me a river came out the song very obviously about britney which featured a britney lookalike in the video everyone was talking about it and his solo career was solidified Brittany also had a song and video all about Justin called Every Time. In it, she drowns herself in a bathtub over the guilt of hurting him. But Justin doesn't take that as a signal that a ceasefire is in order. Before Britney admits that they had sex, a very self-satisfied Justin starts running his mouth around town that they in fact had. I just want to ask you one question. Did you Britney Spears? <laughs> yes or no? Oh man. Come on, man. Okay, I did it. No, yeah! It was a really weird time. There was like talk about our, what we did together and like really sexually, sexually yeah. and stuff. And I just felt very exploitive and very weird. In an interview in Details Magazine, he tells them, apropos of nothing, that if Britney had a clue, she wouldn't have done Crossroads. He continues to bring his Britney takedown on the road for the next 16 years. Now look, I can understand if you argue that Britney probably did do something to Justin. And is it so bad that Justin wrote a disparaging song about her and did a few unkind interviews? 
Britney does admit that she did something to hurt him, and she did end up dating Wade Robson for a bit after they broke up, which indicates there was at the very least some kind of chemistry going on between them. But what's his excuse for taking digs at her for many years later, other than being an incurable fuckboy? In 2006, Justin is dating Cameron Diaz, but Justin has an album coming out, so he starts talking about Britney again. He brings her up in a GQ interview, and then he comes out with the song What Goes Around Comes Around, which was regarded as a sequel to Cry Me a River. You simply must check out this music video. It's less of a video and more of a 10-minute short film, co-starring Scarlett Johansson. And if you need firm evidence that Justin is a fuckboy, you need not look further. It's as if someone let Michael Bay direct a Natalie Portman Dior commercial. Here's a little taste. So this is her. This is her. This is the one. The one. This is the one. Mm. Hello. And if she plays her cards right, she might even get the keys to the castle. I don't want your keys. Shut up. Whoa, 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 slow down, partner. Wait, you guys have been going out, what, a month? You're telling me you're ready to lock it up and leave all the pretty girls to me? Maybe. I like girls. Me too. A lot. I like everything. Of course you do. (laughs) Of course you do. Let me tell you something. You're awesome and you're awesome. The film was written by Nick Cassavetes, who had just written and directed the movie Alpha Dog that Justin co-starred in. I'd like to say it's shocking that Scarlett did this garbage video, but Scarlett does seem to have a high tolerance for fuckboys, as evidenced by her current relationship with fuckboy and SNL Weekend Update host Colin Jost. The music video is definitely going after Britney. In the beginning, there's a totally random scene where Scarlett pretends to drown herself in Justin's pool. Justin runs to her rescue, only to have her laugh in his face. We get it, Justin. Then things get a little, shall we say, problematic? In the end, Justin catches her making out with his friend in a stairwell. He punches his friend and then grabs her by the face very aggressively. They both get in their cars, a chase ensues, and he kinda accidentally runs her off the road and she dies in a fiery crash. Yes, karma adequately and fairly punished a woman who made out with your friend. But Justin didn't stop with video. In 2008, Justin was presenting Madonna with her induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where he said, The world has always been full of Madonna wannabes. I might have even dated a couple. (laughs) What was the point of saying that? This is 2008. Britney is not doing well. Why kick this woman while she's way, way down? Does he think that this is the karma she deserved a full six years after their breakup? Then in 2011, during one of his concerts, he allegedly indirectly called Britney a bitch. In 2013 and 2016, he brings up Britney again, though he doesn't really say anything too negative. But then in January of this year, he calls Vegas residencies a, quote, retirement plan. How dare you, sir? Have you listened to Glory? That is not the album of a woman planning her retirement. Sorry, white girls listening. I know you still love Justin, but Justin is a fuckboy. You can love his music and his dancing, but you must let it absorb that he is a fuckboy. 
If you're not convinced, I invite you to listen to Britney's latest and possibly best album of her career, Glory, and then listen to Justin's latest. Then watch his solo Super Bowl halftime show performance from this year and compare it to the one he did with Britney and then Janet. Justin was never meant to be with a force like Britney. He needed someone like Jessica Biel, someone who'd be happy locked in a cupboard only to be let out to go mountain biking with him or to work at her children's restaurant. Not even an adult's restaurant. At least he's finally letting her work on a USA show. People seem to be enjoying her work. Good for her. Maybe Justin is unnerved by a talented woman who won't let him have the spotlight all to himself. And that's his prerogative. But do your thing. And from now on... Leave Brittany alone! Please! <laughs> Lay Do You Remember This is researched, written, narrated, and edited by me, Darlene. If you aren't already, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating and review. You can follow the pod on Instagram and Facebook. And please, if you like the podcast, share it, tell your friends. It's true what they say, it takes a village to make me famous. If you have any questions, comments, or show suggestions, please email this at gmail.com. And please, donate to my GoFundMe, gofundme.com slash musical. So you're invited to come back next week? We've got a table, and I've put you on the list for Lay Do You Remember This. I know, 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 I